Scripture lesson this morning comes from Acts 16, beginning at verse 16. Paul and Silas in prison. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them, washed their wounds, and he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up to the house, set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. The word of the Lord. This is a story about captivity. Now, some of the people in this story's captivity is obvious. We have a slave girl who has been, um, we don't know how long. Sometimes in the Roman world, it was a temporary enslavement, and then sometimes it was a lifelong thing. But she was enslaved, and her um, owners used her to make money. They used her skills to make money, basically. She would tell the future, and uh, they would rent her out to tell the future. And so she was enslaved by her owners, she was enslaved by her society, and she was enslaved by her skill, by her talent. Paul and Silas are literally enslaved. They've been put, or uh, held captive. They're literally held captive because they've been put in jail. Now this is an overreaction, (laughs) right? The slave girl is following Paul and Silas around and pointing at them and saying, you know, they can, they, they know the real God. You guys are all kind of being silly. They know the real God, which isn't really telling the future anyway. It's just sort of telling people who this person is. 
And it's kind of a little strange that Paul and Silas get annoyed by it because Paul and Silas have been wandering around telling everybody about God, right? For like a year. They've been wandering around with a giant sign that says, God is here, the end is near, right? And the slave girl just confirms that. And some reason they get annoyed. And they cast the slave, the spirit out. And the owners escalate this way beyond what is necessary. There's some rules about what you do if somebody takes your slave, and it usually involves some money changing hands. But they turn it into a political thing, and they turn it into a racial thing, and they turn it into a money thing and a power thing. And so Paul and Silas are arrested and put in jail. They're literally held captive by chains that are bolted to the wall. And what Paul and Silas choose to do is sing hymns. Now, I like singing as much as the next person, but I'm fairly certain that if you sat and sang hymns all night in a jail, you would not be the most popular person, right? I mean, I would probably, as your fellow prisoner, be slightly annoyed at you. The jailer probably wasn't a big fan, right? They're just sitting in this room, in a dark room. They're supposed to be afraid. They're supposed to be trembling. They're supposed to be um, scared about what their future is going to be. They're in a Roman jail, right? And they're singing hymns. And so the jailer hears a rumbling noise in the middle of the night. And this has happened before. Peter has the same experience in jail. Remember, he gets released by the Spirit. Here's a rumbling sound that everybody's chains leap open. And somehow Paul and Silas convinces everybody to stay in prison. The jailer's convinced that everybody has left, and so he does the only honorable thing that a Roman prison guard can do, which is kill himself. And Paul and Silas have the opportunity to leave. They can go. They don't have to be held captive anymore. They can get out of there. And they choose to stay. And so we have a jailer who is also held captive by the expectations of his role, held captive by society. And all of that sparked something in me. I was um, flipping through Facebook, trying to stay awake while we were watching TV at like 8.15 at night. Um, <laughs> and I saw this picture. And this, is, um, this hit home with me, because mom and dad, right? Um, and so. We, what we have is mom and dad, and dad is at the grocery store, and the people at the grocery store say, oh, you have the kids. You must be an exceptional father, right? And mom's at the grocery store, and they say, wow, your kids are out of hand. Your hands are full, right? <laughs> this... <laughs> Clearly, my kids are out of hand. Yeah. So what does this tell you about the expectations of moms and dads? Really, what is a mom supposed to do? Do what? It all. Everything. Oh, right? Yeah. And perfectly with your hair, preferably nicely styled and your makeup put on, right? What is dad expected to do? Show up. Yeah. Oh, you're with your children. Congratulations, right? Or what about this one? Involve dad, working mom. What's the what is the unspoken expectation we have here? What are they doing? They're taking, dropping kid off at school, right? And dad is called an involved dad for taking his kid to school. So what's the expectation? Yeah. 
yeah. Look at you, how good, good job you're doing, taking your child to school, right? What's mom? She's leaving her kid behind because she's a working mom, right? Or what about this one at the park? Dad's on the cell phone. Wow, what a good dad taking his kid to the park. Mom, wow, she's not even watching her kids. This has literally happened to me, by the way. Yeah? Dad showed up, took his kids to the park. Bare minimum of expectations that I have for my, my husband, right? Mom is being negligent because she's not literally watching her child do everything. Which I've got to tell you, it looks like there's more than one, like by your third child, it's not that interesting to watch them go down the slide, right? <laughs> I mean, I love you and you're great. They're not paying any attention anyway. <laughs> right? And it, you know what the problem is? It's, it's just as bad for dad as it is for mom, right? Because it's the, what George Bush said, the bigotry of low expectations, right? You know how many times Jeremy has gotten, I mean, literally, people have come up to him and said, you're a stay-at-home dad. How good for you, right? Yeah. And whereas if, when I was a stay-at-home mom, like, literally no one ever said that to me, right? <laughs> right? People volunteer to take to watch the children for Jeremy. Do you know how many times people volunteered to watch the children for me when I was a stay-at-home mom? Right? All the women are nodding. <laughs> yeah. But it's just as bad for the dad. Right? It's just as bad for the dad, because what if you want to be a dad who's really involved? And the expectation is instead you're going to work 60 hours a week. Right? The expectation is that you're not going to go to your kid's soccer game because you need to be at work making money to care for your children, right? It's just as bad for dad. It's captivity. It's captivity to expectations. It's captivity to what people expect you to do. And what the problem was in this story is not that people were doing things, it's that they were acting outside of what society expected them to do. The slave girl was supposed to mind her own business. She was supposed to stay on the corner, and she was supposed to be giving people tarot card readings. And they were to come, and she was to give them something generic, and they were to give her money and then go away. And so the problem was that she left her post in order to follow God. The owners were upset because she didn't follow the expectation of her societal position. Paul and Silas are upset, are in jail because the owners were offended that they would dare speak to a Roman citizen that way. Right? They didn't get in trouble for telling the gospel. They didn't get in trouble for being where they weren't supposed to be. They got in trouble because the owners were not going to accept the Jews being uppity. Right? Or... What about the jailer who is held captive to the expectation that if something goes wrong in the jail, he has to end his life? He made a mistake. It wasn't even his mistake. God acted and released people, and he was going to have to end his life for that mistake, right? It's all captivity, all of it, every form of it. And it's just as bad for all the people involved in that captivity. It's just as bad for the owners Maybe not just as bad, but it's equally captivity, right? And that's why it strikes me that in the midst of all of this, Paul and Silas could have been angry. They could have fought with the jailer. They could have done all kinds of things. But they chose 
to be still. And I think one of the things that we have gotten captive to in our society is to being too quick about almost everything. We've bought into this fallacy that if somebody sends you an email, you have to respond within one hour, right? It's worse if you are somebody like, oh, I don't know, Eric, who has Slack that he has to respond to, right? Yeah? Or text messages that you're expected to respond to all day long, instantly, right? Has anybody ever gotten mad at someone because they read their text message and then didn't immediately respond to the text message? Be honest. Yeah. They left you on bubbles, is that what right? Yeah. You see the little bubble and you're like, eh. I was on the chat with an agent the other day to fix something, I don't even remember what it was. And they had the little, the agent is typing, right? And I sat there and I was like, okay. It's been five seconds. They cannot be typing. What are they typing? The Magna Carta? No. <laughs> right? They've got to respond instantly, right? Or we have to have an opinion about something the second it happens, right? The second something happens, you have to have an opinion. And it doesn't have to be informed in any way possible. It's just as long as it's strong, right? And we certainly can't change our opinion after the facts come out. We're held captive by our expectations that we have for one another. We've shared, I've shared in Sunday School before about the expectations that come along with being a minister. Right. We were sitting at dinner yesterday with Caitlin's soccer team. Um, we were having pizza. It was fun. Um, and I was sitting at the table and somebody said, oh, where do you go to church? And I said, oh, I go to Concord. Right? And I went, oh yeah, I know where Concord is. And I, I was just seeing how long in the conversation we could go before they asked what I, like how I was involved. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and every time that I sit at a table with people, they're like, oh, totally normal, right? Totally normal person. Oh, you're a minister. Now I can't, no, right? Everyone stops cussing immediately, right? <laughs> <laughs> Or they put their beer down, like I've never had a beer before, right? You know? And it's just, that's just my thing, but every one of you has that thing, right? If you're a police officer, right? There's expectations about what you're going to be like. If you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you're an accountant, yeah? You work for the newspaper, Eric. You must be a terrible person, right? Yeah? Whatever it is, all of us have these expectations. College students have to behave in a particular way. You have to experience high school in a particular way. Whatever it is, we have these captive expectations. And what we do is instead of sitting still and allowing other people to have whatever opinion they want about us, we get crazy, right? We get anxious or we get angry or we get whatever it is. And none of us do what Paul did, which is accept the grace of knowing that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All you can be is you. All you can be is the person God created you to be. And if people think accountants behave in a particular way, then that's their problem, right? Because you know who God made you to be. And you have the grace to be able to be still and to not live into other people's anxiety or other people's opinion about you. You do not have to be held captive to whatever it is that other people expect from you.
unless that person is God. And that means me, and that means the person sitting next to you in the pew, and that means society, and that means whatever. You have been given the grace to let go and to allow your chains to fall off of your hands. And you can sing hymns, and you can pray, and you can be still in that jail and not be a captive. You don't have to be captive and held down by chains unless you continue to choose that. God has set you free. God has released the chains. There was a mighty earthquake. And you are not captive to whatever it is that you feel like is holding you into that jail cell anymore. So be free. Be free to take the time to be still with you, to be calm, to be part, to be peaceful and content with who you were made to be by God, who does not make mistakes. You're not perfect, okay? But that doesn't mean it's a mistake, right? Let go. Be still and be at peace. Amen.